0: Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. Ready for the word today? Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, where I've got a chunk of scripture that I need to just sort of get out so we can get around this story. We, we've been doing a series, we started a series called Road Trips. Last week we talked about the narrow road and how many know it leads to life. You can live a wide life on a narrow road and, and serve God with the bigness of what God has and what God does. And, and today I want to have a look at another road and it's a road in scripture that I believe every Christian needs to walk down and, and experience. It's the Damascus road, a, a Damascus road experience. Now let's have a look at the word, at the word together. It'll be on the Screen Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and it says, This then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. And, and so, that if he found any who are of the way, somebody say, the way. Now, that's Christianity. Of course, we we know that Christians were first called Christians in Antioch, and that's a couple of chapters later, a number of years later, who were on the way with a men or woman that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, somebody say suddenly, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Can I just say... Some of us, we get a bit religious and can try and contain God. How many know that God moves the way God wants to move? I love this. <laughs> Suddenly a light shone around him, then he fell to the ground. Can I say, some of you might see people fall out and go, why do they do that? I don't know. It's just terrific. You need to have a God encounter every now and then. We're unashamed Pentecostals here. We believe in the power of the Spirit of God, where God confronts you and gets in your grill. I don't, I don't want to be a, a, you know, a safe... I want this to be a dangerous church. I, I want to violate as many occ health and safety laws every Sunday as possible to the glory of God. Light shines from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goad. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What a great response to an encounter with God. The Lord said to him, arise, go into the city. And you'll be told what to do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. and uh, and And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And he said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I'll show him many things he must suffer, multitasking, for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, uh, sorry, he, laying, let me. I'm going to read again, I'm not going to multitask, I'm not a woman. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, isn't that great Brother Saul? Not your murdering old mongrel, he said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there from his eyes, something like, fell from his eyes, something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. When he had received food, he was strengthened. How many know that's very important? Some of you come to church grumpy. Just get your breakfast before you get to church, because I start talking about communion's not breakfast. Some of you I see, you grab a whole chunk of them and your crumbs, you look like a cookie monster. He was strengthened. Spall, spall. Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed. Is, he not, is it not he who destroyed those who called? On this name in Jerusalem. And he has come here for that purpose that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is Jesus Christ. I wonder if you've ever been so locked into One Direction. One, right, not the band. Some are like, yeah. No, I'm a believer. Some of you have been so... Some of you have been, most of you would have missed that, trust me. Most of you are so locked into one way that you actually, and I'm not talking about Paul here because Paul was locked in a way that he felt like he was meant to go, but some of us were so locked on a road. Maybe it's a road of regret. Maybe it's a road of disappointment. Maybe it's a road of our own mistakes. Maybe it's a road of lack. Maybe it's a road of pain. Maybe it's all of those things, and you've been so locked in uh, to one way of, being and operating that you know God has more for you but you cannot seem to see how you can go from one way to another way I love the fact that we serve a God who will stop us in our tracks and say hey I've got something better for you I've got a plan and I've got a purpose I mean I don't know about you but have you ever been rudely interrupted I've done that to so many people it's fantastic knock knock who's there interrupting cow interrupting moo I warned you Do you know that's stupid? Some of you, some of you are making good time on the road to nowhere. Some of, you, some of you are on a road and, and you, you just know it's a road of mediocrity. It's a, yeah. I mean, you're just traveling on, on this road. Can, can I tell you, I believe God's got something for every person. I believe the hand of God is on every single life in this house, in this church, and, and that God's grace and God's anointings on you. And I tell you, we serve a God who likes to take us from one way to another way. He went from the road to Damascus uh, for trouble. He, it seemed like the same path, but a totally different result that God had in mind. And, and we learn a bunch of things about God from this story. We learn a lot of the character and the nature of God from the Damascus Road. And I want to give you some lessons about God, some thoughts about God that we learn from the Damascus Road. Number one, I want to have a look at this together. Number one, we see God's perspective. Somebody say God's perspective. It's interesting that Paul's encounter with God was not just about Paul. His encounter with God actually protected the lives of Christians. Paul's encounter with God... One souls to Christ. Paul's encounter with God transformed Paul. Often we see an encounter with God through the eyes of our, our own self. And that's okay, but you've got to realize when God touches you, when God calls you, when God places his hand upon you, it's a lot more than just your gifting and your ministry. It's actually about 50 different things that happen as a result of the call of God on your life. See, my, the giftings on my life, the giftings on your life are not just uh, for you uh, to get into ministry and, or, or to get into some way of, uh, of serving, whether that's in the marketplace, in the house of God, wherever God takes you. Do you realize the call of God ultimately is going to protect others? It's going to help others. It's going to help you. It's going to deliver you. It's going to bring character and gifting in your life. Often we reduce the call of God to our gift. And I want to tell you, our gift has never been the thing that God's been most interested in. Gifting is given to us to interpret the call of God in our life. You're gifting. Some people, I've got this gift and we market our gift. Can I encourage you, don't market your gift. It's about a call. It's about a destiny. My dad is an evangelist. He moves in signs, wonders, and miracles. Got the gift of faith, got the gift of healing. You won't go to his website and say, see Tim Hall, gift of faith. You're going to see Tim Hall, evangelist to the nations. Why? Because it's so much more than just the gift. The gifts are simply the goodies God gives us to bring the harvest in. It's about harvest. It's about souls. Whatever gifting I have is not so David Hall can be David Hall, Holy Ghost guy. It's David Hall has got an anointing because God wants to do a work in this city. The same as you have an anointing. If we just get so fixated on what our gift is, we'll miss our call. Because it's short-sighted. We've got to realize an encounter with God is so much bigger. Come on, are you with me on Sunday morning? An encounter with God, it'll protect people. It'll minister to those who are living in fear. It'll, It'll bring life. Even when he was delivered, people were still frightened of what this could be. And I want to encourage you to realize the touch of heaven, an encounter with God. Why am I so big on an encounter with God? Because I know when truly God meets yeah, with you. It. It'll touch you, it'll touch your family, it'll touch households. And not only did the touch of God impact Paul, suddenly an unknown God we don't know anything of. Ananias suddenly comes under the anointing. He yeah. didn't even know him, but God's setting up one thing. When God's moving in Damascus roads, he's moving in Ananias's house on straight Street. God God is the master setup up. God is just this puppet master. He's fantastic, in a good way. Uh, he, 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 I just think, man, he's setting one thing up. Oh, I'm, I'm just putting this in motion. And we just see the immediate. Yeah. Yeah. The God seeing was Ananias is having a breakdown. He's going, God, is he coming to kill? I don't want to hang around with him. He's a murdering mongrel. He was, uh, he was, a, he was stood at, at the scene of the crime when Stephen was stoned. Yeah. And he was like, this is, this is what I want. He was a terrorist. He was ISIS. I'm not being funny. He was ISIS. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yes. And now, and an ISIS is being told, ISIS is coming over to your house. Yeah. Now if I got a phone call and said ISIS is coming over, I'd probably say, hey Dons, why don't you take James and Sam for a drive? ISIS are coming over. I think they've given their hearts to the Lord, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, the only hope for the Middle East is a Damascus Road. Can I tell you, it's no coincidence that Damascus Road is in the Middle East. It's right in the middle of the whole, the whole situation. If he can move once on that road, he can do it again. He, moved on the, he can move on the Jericho Road more than once. He pounded down that city and he healed Bartimaeus. I want to tell you today, I believe in God does something supernatural. He's doing 50 other things. He's so lining it up, just making it happen. Oh man, I'm preaching myself happy this morning. I was happy anyway. I got up out of the right side of bed. Usually I climb over Donna, knee her in the head on the way out, but today I got out of my side and I feel refreshed. Number two. Oh, somebody just say hallelujah. Oh, there we I'm excited, Joel. Number two, we see God suddenly. Somebody say suddenly the Bible says that he was on the road to Damascus and suddenly a light shone from heaven. It's not the first time we see God moving suddenly. We see Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in, in prison for casting a devil out of the, out of a girl. And the Bible says it was at midnight, they're praising God. And suddenly there was an earthquake. Now Acts, number, Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. A woman touches the hem of the garment of Jesus. She's bleeding. She's been sick for 12 years and suddenly immediately same word suddenly her bleeding stops Malachi tells us that the God whom you seek will come suddenly into his temple do you know you might be feeling like you're on this road and you're going nowhere and it's hopeless I don't know about you but I believe in a God of suddenly there. I believe that in a moment of time, you can be going one way. Ephesians tells us that we were dead in sin. We we're on our way to hell. But God, who's rich in mercy, it was a sudden confrontation with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't know about you, but I think that's great news on a Sunday morning. God still heals and he sets free. And I don't know what point number three is. And I'm not going to walk up on this stage because last week I split my trousers. I was very, it was very drafty. Number three, we see God's authority. Somebody say authority. authority. Bible says, Acts chapter 9, as he journeyed near Damascus, verse 3, a light shone from heaven. He falls to the ground. A voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? Lord, master, captain, boss. Paul immediately, he didn't know who he was, but he knew he was in charge. He didn't have a clue. He didn't, know. He didn't really know who he was, but he knew his days of messing with his people are over. He knew that something had to change. When the natural comes in contact with the supernatural, let me tell you, the supernatural is not the one that's going to give, it's the, it's the natural. When you come in contact with Jesus, the stuff in your life, the devil's in your life, the stuff that's defeating it has to bow its knee to the lordship of Jesus. Even if it doesn't know what it's bowing to, it will still bow. And it tells us here, he says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. you know, there are elements or attributes God has that prove, let me, let me say it again, there's attributes he possesses that only he possesses. Yeah, right. And they're attributes of God. And if anyone else possesses these, they become God. These are uniquely divine privilege that only God has. For example, uh, God's eternal. Yeah. It means he always will be. There's no end of his kingdom. There'll be no end. But here's the thing. There's no beginning. In the beginning, God. God's always been. There wasn't a start date. Tuesday, the fourth of 0, zero, 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 zero No, like eight. Whatever. I don't know a number. I'm not good like that. But no one. No, he didn't just wake up one day. Oh, suddenly there's. God. He's just always been. When I was in Sunday school, that made perfect sense to me. Oh yeah, I could. I could get that. But the older you get, the more you go. Hang on a minute. I've got two kids. There was definitely a start date. They entered the world, and our freedom, freedom left. Yeah. <laughs> I love them, but it's gone. Do you remember the days when you could go, let's go to the movies? You don't just get to do that now. You've got to plan three days ahead. Yeah, well, James has said he wants to move out. He's going on four, so I think he's ready. <laughs> Finding a place of his own and... But God's eternal. He always has been. We, we, we have a start and a finish, but God, he's, he's God. He's seen it all. He'll see it all. The Bible tells us he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You know, I, I really felt prompted to tell our church this morning, do you know who isn't omnipresent? And you need to know this. The devil is not omnipresent. Some of us think, oh, no, the devil's everywhere. The devil's not everywhere. He's walking around like a roaring lion. He's counterfeiting who God is. God is the lion of the tribe. The devil's trying to be a lion. He's just roaring and making a bunch of noise. Walking around. He even, his budget doesn't even allow him to get a car. He can't even get a Camry. The devil's driving around in a Camry. In a Prius. I think that's what the devil would drive, by the way, is a Prius. If you've got a Prius, that's a word for you. He's omnipotent. He's not just potent. He's like the most potent. He is an omnipotent. That means all powerful. There is no one more powerful than If something was more powerful than him, that would be God. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows the intents of your heart. He's aware of what's going on in your world. You need to start talking to the one that's aware. He knows everything. The devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. I think sometimes we elevate the devil. And go, it's almost like God versus the devil. There's no competition. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he'll destroy. The devil was defeated 2,000 years ago on Calvary. Some of us, were, we think, oh no, we need to really pray the devil's attacking. I love, I love the story of Wigglesworth when when the devil appeared to him in, in his room one night. Wigglesworth wakes up, sees Satan in his room. Just goes, oh, it's just you. Rolls over, goes back to sleep. Didn't, did not even take the time to rebuke him. Couldn't be bothered. Just wanted to sleep. I do believe in demon powers coming against Christians, but you need to understand what they are and their power. They are totally at the mercy of the name of Jesus. And, and when you use his name, you might not be of any great stature on your own, but thank God it's not on your authority. His authority has been given to you. You use his name. Take authority over sickness and disease. Square your shoulders. You're the righteousness of God. I'm self-existent this morning I got up, I had table of plenty muesli, the skim milk, pure light start, uh, a latte with an extra shot, two equals, skim latte on the way to church. Came to church. That's that's what I needed to get my day started because I'm not self-existent. I need external stuff to sustain me. I need the sun. God doesn't need the sun. He is the sun. God doesn't need food. He is daily bread. And you know, if God... God needed something to sustain Him. That would be God. Are you following what I'm saying? God doesn't need external things. Everything that's external is only functioning because of Him. So He's the one that sustains. He's immutable. It means He doesn't change. So when when you can I just say one thing. It's a bit of a side note, but one thing you've got to know about God's immutability means He doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you need to know is that God is consistent. And I know that's not the total intent of this thought. Uh, There's so much more to the immutability of God. But it's important we know, firstly, you don't get a different God today than yesterday. He's not not today going, I'm a miracle worker tomorrow. No, I'm vengeful. God's consistent. He loves us. And that doesn't change. (laughs) Do you know what's so important that you get a revelation of here at church? Is if God's consistent. Can Can I just put the challenge out there that we should be too? If we're connected with God, our spirituality shouldn't rollercoaster. And and often we find in church life, Christians, one minute on fire for God, the next minute down in the dumps, up, serving Jesus, the next minute mad at people, next minute in church rejoicing, shouting, next week angry. Can I tell you, you've got to be consistent. I don't honour talent in this church as much as I honour consistency. There's a lot of talented people and there's a lot of consistent people. And you'll find in church one of the greatest weapons, or that's not the word I'm looking for, resources, I hate that word, but the greatest giftings or character traits that somebody has. Consistency trumps talent every time. Because I've seen talented people, they're amazing one week, and they're a problem the next. God, just give us consistent, faithful people. This church is not built on talent, it's built on consistency. Just week in, week out, building the church. Doing our bit for the glory of God. We should celebrate that more. Yeah. Yeah. Consistent. Consistent in our walk and our integrity and our conduct. Yeah. Number number four. Oh, yeah, we, i cover it. Number four. We see a pattern, God's pattern, and it hasn't changed. Paul gets saved. There's healing, baptism in the spirit, and baptism in water. and might not necessarily always come in that order, but those four things are so important in the life of a believer that yes. we believe in those things, we walk in those things, we disciple people in those things and we see God's pattern at work in this passage. We see Paul get saved. We see that he gets healed or his eyes come open. Whether it's a, a healing of... of, of uh, I think it's more of an example of what God's trying to show us should happen in the life of a believer. The lights come on, our eyes are open to the things of God. But God healed him, whether it was a healing of blindness that we want to camp on, or healing of his heart, healing of his attitudes, or the things he had done. You imagine the rubbish that he would be carrying as a result of his life, the demon spirits that he would be carrying as a result of murdering and killing believers, women, children, the whole thing. He's saying right there, we're going to bring these people bound back to Jerusalem, even women. The guy was killing the innocent. He was a bad guy. He needed total deliverance from the power of the devil. And do you know the truth is, we, we as Christians, we've domesticated our gospel message so much. A lot of people are getting saved need to get totally delivered from the devil. I mean, demon spirits coming out of people and people getting freaked. People have passengers and we've got to see them get changed. But it got quiet in here. I'm not saying we need to bust out the buckets here at church and bring out the tarpaulins, but I am I am I am saying we need to believe that God will set people free to the uttermost, get them delivered by the hand of God. Come on, church, if you believe it, give God a shout, but just Where are we up to? He gets baptized in water and he gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, which leads me into number number five. We see another element of God. We see God's anointing. Somebody say God's anointing. It says here, and Ananias went his way into the house, laying hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, he appeared to you on the road as you came and sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me talk to you about Paul. We, we, we never ever get told whether he spoke in tongues at, at uh, in the book of Acts at all. Nothing in the book of Acts tells us whether Paul spoke in tongues. But I believe With conviction, we believe as a team at church, this church, 100% believe, with the baptism in the Spirit comes the language of heaven. Absolutely, you receive your heavenly language. It's a prayer language, it's a praise language. It's a prayer language, it's a worship language. I heard a preacher say, it's your supernatural, supercharged prayer and praise language given to you by the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. It's your glossolalia from heaven. Ye shakamahunda. Oh, hubba-dubba-ding-ding, look at the legs on that thing talking about donna very 1 corinthians 14 5 paul writes this is what paul says concerning speaking in tongues he says i would or i wish i desire that you all spoke in tongues i share the same prayer as paul for life point church can i say it without any fear or any shame or any just let me say this we don't give a disclaimer before we preach on the holy spirit I get so tired of hearing sermons where the first 10 minutes is a disclaimer, apologizing for what we're about to preach. I'm not sorry. I'd tell the Queen of England, Your Majesty, I speak in tongues. I'd tell the Pope, Your Holiness, lift your hands to heaven. Filled with the Spirit. I'd tell Mr. Turnbull, Prime Minister, I'm a tongue-talking, to- I'm one of them. I'm a tongue-talking, Book of Acts believing, fire baptized, spirit-filled believer. I believe in the whole gospel. I believe in Genesis to maps. I believe in everything. (laughs) Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Are you happy today? He goes on to say, he says, in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 4.10, I love this passage. It says, I pray in the spirit and I pray with my understanding. Sometimes you pray in the spirit or you pray with your understanding. And and it just doesn't quite get the job done. I mean, I can lift a few rocks in a bucket, but sometimes I've got to do some heavy lifting. And sometimes English, I'm not saying your English prayers don't matter. They matter. Every prayer you pray touches heaven. But sometimes when you're dealing with praying for somebody who's faced with every problem under heaven or the devil's come against you or trouble comes or, or you just feel like you need to pray with some grunt, sometimes you need more than, oh, blessed Lord, come come down. Help us, oh, loving God. Sometimes you need, in the name of Jesus, here, prasta. You need to pray with some zing. zing Zing. hashtag zing Paul goes on to say in verse 18 he says I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you Can, can, can can I actually break that passage down I've been told in the original language what he's actually saying is two things I thank my God I speak in tongues and he says I thank my God I even speak in tongues more than all of you he's really saying it twice yeah, the beauty of that is, I pray the same thing. I don't actually pray I speak in tongues more than all of you. I actually think if you prayed in tongues more than me, we'd have a pretty fiery church. I'd do it a lot. But my prayer is, I can tell you every day, I don't just thank God for his blood. I don't just thank God for his spirit. I don't even just thank God for his word. I still thank God that he filled me with his spirit and I speak in tongues. If you are visiting Life Point Church, we are, maybe you think we're a bit strange, but do you know something? We love Jesus. We love the Bible. We love the word. But we love the power of God and we love the fact that we as a church believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost with, can I I go old school, with the evidence, the subsequent evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Do I have any brothers and sisters in the house that believe in the power of the Spirit? Even the pulpit nearly fell out. Oh man, I could just take a minute and get excited about that this morning. Number number six, I'm nearly finished. Maybe Lukey if you can come. And then when I get towards the end of the point, maybe if the rest of the team can come in an inconspicuous manner so as to show a smooth transition. <laughs> <laughs> Everything sounds more anointed when the keyboard player plays. I can prove it. Just stop. Just completely stop. Just stop. Stop. Just lose. Okay. I can say anything and you may believe it. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. You're like, yeah, maybe. You play. God loves you. And he has a plan for your life. You're like, he does. He has a plan for my life. responding to my preaching is Luke. You're pumped about Luke Anderson. This is the most important thing I want to tell you today. So I want you to catch this. The sixth thing we see here is we see God's restart. Now I want to I want to bring some clarity. Imagine some guy comes in here that's killed your family because you served God and now he's coming to tell you about Jesus. And you're standing there going but I and and almost rightly so but I hate you. Who do you think you are? how, how, how dare you do this to, to, to us and all this? Paul, he says, hey, he almost squares his shoulders. He's not arrogant. He's not prideful. But we read in Galatians 2.20, he says, hey, the guy, the guy you're bringing the charge against, he's actually dead. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live. I live in the, fle- in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, what Paul's trying to say in a way that we still can learn today and speak today, he's saying, I'm not who I was. I'm not, it's not even that I'm a different person. I am not that guy. That guy died. That guy. The Bible says, my old man is crucified with Christ. He's not talking about his father. He's talking about himself. The old man has been subdued, has been captured, has been crucified. And you're looking at a new person. The guy that did those things is not this guy. I know that's hard for us to get our head around, but some of you, you live in the shame of what you were before you're saved, even though you're not even that person. It's almost like you know you're not that guy, but you don't th- feel like you can ever be uh, who you want to be because you think people have already, can I tell you, you're not who you were. The Bible tells us in the book of, uh, of, uh, of Philippians 3, and Paul's talking, he says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended He said, but the one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind me, I'm reaching forward. In other words, he knows there's some junk behind him, but he's reaching forward to the promises of God. What a word. Some of you, you've been saved, but you're going, I can't do anything. I'm disqualified. I'm condemned. You know, the word condemned means not fit for use. Paul even writes Romans 8, there is therefore now. No. Use the word now. He says, now? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not according to the flesh, according to the spirit. T.D. Jakes preached a message. I'm going to close with this. Really, there's no preacher on earth like T.D. Jakes. If you've ever heard T.D. Jakes preach, it's beyond a preacher, he's an artist. And he gets up and talks about this new red car he just bought. He goes, I got myself a red car. And this is an old message, by the way. Now, now the technology is talking about, we, we've all got it. But he goes, it's in our phones. But in those days, a GPS was a bit of a luxury. He said, my car has a GPS. And he says, one day I'm driving my car. And I put, punch in where I need to go and the GPS says, turn left here. And he said, I don't know what it was. Maybe I'm rebellious and I like to disobey my mother. But I thought, I am not obeying that woman. So I turned right. And then it says, no, turn left. So I turned right again. I just kept disobeyed for 15 minutes. I just kept disobeying the GPS. And he said, in every wrong turn that I took, the GPS reset itself and showed me a new way to get to where I was meant to go in the first place. And do you know something when it comes to God's direction for your life? You might be here and say, I have gone so far, I'm not near the Damascus Road. Right now I'm on I'm, I'm on Rifle Range Road. I'm on Target Hill Road. I'm on I'm on the I'm on the wrong road. God's little GPS resets and says, yeah, but I can show you still. You might have found yourself in Cuba Peeky. And you're just trying to get to Truro. Or Port Germain. But you found yourself. You found yourself in Corn, or you found you've just you just got a lot. You're in Yumta. Every one of those at South Australian Tech, you might, you might have been headed for Victor, but you've ended up in Gaula, you've, gone, you've just gone the wrong way. And you go, I can't. I can never get back. GPS, as long as it's connected to Wi-Fi, I could get cheesy, but I won't. As long as you're connected to Hi-Fi. <laughs> I apologize for that. It'll always restart. Paul really, he fell. It was a big one. It was bigger than the George Halleck indiscretion of 93. This one was real bad. Pastor George is almost out of discipline now. We're just almost fully received. we're going to let him do the offering next week just to prove no it's easy if Pastor George fell I think we we should all just give up I think but here's the, here's the thing that I want to tell you no matter where you've been I feel like God's GPS it resets and says you know what I've found a new way I've always been, I've been watching from above I can see every way. in a minute will you, you know, I think I've made my point but I want it to get into your spirit because some of you sit in church you go know, I'll come to church I'll give I'll pray God's got that God doesn't got anything for me I just don't believe it I, I, I believe whom the sun sets free is free indeed Paul said I'm not my own I'm a new creature he's not a different creature he's a new creature he's a new creation he's been born again when you're born again that means you're, you're reborn you're born out, you're not born now in a sin nature you're born into God himself. You're born into the covenant of Jesus. You're saved by the grace of God. You've transferred ownership. You've gone from one bloodline to another bloodline and you're saved by the grace of God. And I've come to choose today to tell you there's a, there's a narrow road that leads to life. There's a Damascus road of God. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.